and good morning. Good morning. Let us pray. Oh Lord, may your spirit fill us this morning and that the words of my mouth and meditation of each heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are our spirit, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. When I was a freshman in college, coming home for the summer to Knoxville, Tennessee, as a Butler student, I had the privilege of receiving allergy shots. Anybody else? Oh, they're awful, right? So my mom, who is a doctor, decided that the easiest thing would be for her to give them to me herself, which I don't know if that was the best idea, but she did. And uh, one day she gave me my allergy shot and I automatically started tingling all over. I started going into anaphylactic shock. So I was rushed to the hospital where they stabilized me and all was well. But on the way there, I remember thinking in the back of the car as my dad was trying to speed through traffic in rush hour, she was saying to me, just breathe, just breathe. I couldn't breathe. So this was kind of my, my near-death experience in my life. But that's all I remember. She's saying, just breathe, just breathe. So as today we celebrate Pentecost, we celebrate that the Spirit or the breath of God comes to each one of us. That breath that enables us to have life and to live it. Because the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach and the greek word for spirit is pneuma yet each one means breath the spirit is literally the divine breath that breath that is breathed into creation breathed into each one of us we know that when a baby is born the first thing they do is take a breath when a person dies they take their last the divine breath of God is spirit that flows through each and every person. As the people of the early church were gathered on that day of Pentecost, they experienced firsthand the breath of God poured out upon each one of them. That divine breath, that spirit, allowed them to speak in languages other than their own, yet they could all understand and hear one another perhaps for the first time. The breath of God gave them voices to speak and eyes to see beyond their differences and to see one another as creations breathed into, and breathed into being by our creator. When Moses encountered the spirit of God in the burning bush as he was in the land of Midian, the name of God is revealed in scripture for perhaps the first time. God speaks and reveals, I am that I am. Now, scholars debate the actual name of God in these mysterious words and what the texts reveal, of course. Most often, we know it is translated as Y-H-W-H, or Yahweh, a name so holy that many refuse to speak it. But broken down, it sounds like this, yod Hey va Hey. The name of God is the sound of breathing or what about the prophet ezekiel as god shows him that valley of dry bones and breathes new life into them just as all hope seems lost 
from Ezekiel 37, the words say, He said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the Lord's word. The Lord God proclaims to these bones, I'm about to breathe life into you and you will live again. I will put sinews on you and place flesh on you and cover you with skin. When I put breath in you and you come to life, you will know that I am the Lord. Our God is in the business of breathing new life into the hearts of broken people, systems, and communities. That is the gift of the Spirit. God is as close to us as breathing, that yod, hey, va, hey, sound. And on that Pentecost day, thousands of years ago, those present didn't just experience the gift of the Holy Spirit, they encountered the very breath of God filling their voices and their lungs. Just breathe it in, they might have said. Just breathe. Just over a year ago, our nation reeled from the tragic event as George Floyd, an African-American man arrested for a nonviolent crime, was pinned down by his neck and was unable to breathe. I can't breathe became the outcry for those seeking justice for people of color against the continued systems of racism in our country. Here was a tragic instance of another person literally taking the divine breath of another human being away. And in our culture filled with rage, anger, violence, and misunderstanding, we continue to see tragic events like this unfold. So we have our work cut out for us, church. If Pentecost Sunday teaches us anything, it is that we are still in need of that divine breath of God to fill our lungs to capacity. We need the reminder and challenge that we are people who carry that divine breath within us and that we have no right to take that away from someone else. I believe the early church understood this. Even as people came from all different cultures, different languages, differing opinions, different skin tones and genders and age, the Spirit of God made them one. The same breath that filled one person also filled the other. On the day of Pentecost, divisions and walls were broken down and healed. And Peter, reciting the prophet Joel, says that the Spirit will be poured out upon all. Sons and daughters will prophesy, you will dream dreams, and you will have a future. The Spirit of God will make this happen. It is up to us to breathe it in and breathe it out, not taking a single breath for granted. Just breathe. Take a moment and breathe. Yod, he, va, he. Can you feel it? Where is the Spirit of God working in your life? To give you comfort or to challenge you, to guide you, or to perhaps even push you outside of your comfort zone. One of my favorite quotes from author Anne Lamott is this, the Holy Spirit very rarely respects one's comfort zones. So the Spirit can descend upon groups of people as tongues of fire and make them speak languages other than their own, 
and that all can understand. It definitely comes to stir us to action and make us a bit uncomfortable. If the Spirit is the divine breath of God flowing through each one of us, it is calling us to action through our words and acts of compassion and justice and new ways of being the church. So just breathe. Let the Spirit in. Let it transform us from the inside out. Amen. One of the most common questions that I get asked when we come around the subject of the Holy Spirit or the Trinity is, who am I supposed to pray to? Do I pray to the Father? Do I pray to the Son? Do I pray to the Holy Spirit? And when I get asked that question, my answer is always a very quick, yes. It doesn't matter who you pray to. They're all connected. And we need to realize that this Trinitarian formula is given to us to help us expand our understanding of God. It's not some technical formula that helps you route your prayers in the right direction so that they'll get answered the way you want. They're about understanding the fullness of God. God who's our creator, our redeemer, and through the work of the Holy Spirit, our sustainer for each and every day of our life. They're all connected. These titles are given to help us understand better and benefit so we don't limit God in our life. Sometimes people get hung up also on the sequence. So did God the Father start creation, and, and then he handed it off to Jesus when he came down to earth, and when Jesus got done, he took the baton and gave it to the Holy Spirit and said, you take it from here. It doesn't work that way either, because if you read your Bible, you'll see in the Old Testament that really the Holy Spirit has been here for a long time. They have called him something a little different, but we find that the Spirit of God has been work at work from day one. The Spirit is mentioned 88 times in 23 different Old Testament books. And three times the word holy is actually attached to it, just like in Psalm 5111. Please don't throw me out of your presence. Please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Or the more common expression is the Spirit of God. You see the Spirit of God at work even in the event of creation. Genesis 1, 1 and 2 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. But clearly, if you know your New Testament as well, you see that something changed at Pentecost. Something is different. From that point on, the Spirit of God clearly became known as the Holy Spirit. The personality of God gets a title, and somehow the followers of Jesus receive a new empowerment in their lives. Well, I believe the difference from the days of the Old Testament, the people of God believe the Spirit was given selectively. It was given to priests, it was given to prophets. Maybe an occasional special person called by God. But at Pentecost, the Spirit of God became the Holy Spirit because now it was seen as a gift given to the followers of Christ. It's a gift given not because of your office or your inheritance 
or your personal goodness. It's now given to all who are willing to submit themselves to the leading of God. It's given to all those who are willing to submit themselves to the leading of God. Paul's words here in Romans says it very well. All who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters. So based on what happened at Pentecost, and what Paul speaks of here in Romans, what makes the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit is when we begin to see and look for God at work in our life. When we see through faith, when we start to pay attention to God's work in our life, and we seek God's Spirit to guide us, then we begin, in Paul's words, to be led by God's Spirit. I'm afraid too often many of us think that it's got to be something dramatic, like what happened at Pentecost. Or to think that something like what happened to Paul on the Damascus Road experience that he had, where he was blinded. But Paul's words should alert us to the fact that the Holy Spirit can lead you. God can speak to you. No longer is the Spirit of God just the possession of pastors and preachers or charismatic individuals. The Holy Spirit is actively seeking to impact your life, your daily and even sometimes Monday lives. The Spirit is still there. So let me be honest with you. Being led by the Spirit is tricky business. I mean, do any of you have someone in your life who claims, God told me this, God told me that, just almost all the time, as if every decision they make, God told them what to do? Anybody know somebody like that in your life? Does it make you just a little uncomfortable? I mean, we'd all like to have that direct pipeline to God, wouldn't we? We'd love to know, tell me what to do next, please. It'd be great if life was that simple. But it's not. I'm afraid being led by God's Spirit is, is, is an art form. It's something we all have to develop in our lives. I think it's very difficult to distinguish between our own emotions and when it's really that active voice of God in our lives. I mean, how many terrible things, both in history and even recent times, have been done in the name of God? God told me to do this and we all know that can't be God. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. A meaningful life of prayer and reflection is essential to seek God's will in our life. We need to listen for that small, still voice in our lives in whatever way that God speaks to you. But we should always remain humble in our certainty. We always need to say, it's my perception that I think God is saying this to me. So when I read this passage, and I ponder, what does it mean to be led by God's Spirit? I notice this word that shows up over, not just here in this passage, but it shows up over and over again in this whole chapter of Romans 8. And it's mentioned of selfishness. So, so I looked earlier in this chapter, Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, People whose lives are based on selfishness think about selfish things. But people whose lives are based on the Spirit think about things that are related to the Spirit. The attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death, but the attitude that comes from the Spirit leads to life and peace. So I would suggest to you that being led by the Spirit is primarily about taking the time to ponder our decisions, our challenges, 
and our relationships through the eyes of God. It's about pulling away from our normal human patterns of seeking our own advantage, our own self-centered perspective, and seeing a situation through the eyes of another. I'm sometimes amazed at how driven human beings are to see things only through their perspective. Whether we're talking about a legal dispute that goes to court, or a divorcing couple in a custody battle, or just two people arguing politics, we're incredibly skillful at arguing the position that benefits us. Being led by the Spirit begins with the perspective that we are God's sons and daughters. We're heirs of everything Jesus taught us to be and do. And that Spirit not only leads us in the right direction in our life, but leads us away from self-centeredness toward a life that is empowered and secure in God's hands. And because of that security, because we know our future is guaranteed, because we know that God's looking out for us, then we can be free of our need for control. We don't always have to be right or need to get our way. We're free to see the world or the decisions we have to make from the perspective of someone else. I think that's how we're going to solve the problems of this world. I think that's how we improve the relationships in our lives, make things mutually beneficial for all. That spirit-lived life is going to look differently for each of us. And it's many things. But based just on this scripture that we're studying today, being led by the Spirit's moving away from self-centeredness Embracing the suffering of Jesus in a way that leads to serving others and results in life and peace. And the cool thing is, I've looked around and I've seen evidence of that spirit in our congregation lately. I was sharing with my wife Nancy the other day, talking about some of the joys and the challenges of ministry. And I shared that sometimes the business end of church kind of gets to me. Worry about keeping the facilities going, making sure I fundraise effectively enough so that our staff can do their important work. That's part of my job. It also wears on me sometimes. But I also love all the things where we come together and do amazing things. I've had fun helping to build the Teeter volunteer team that's looking after the cabins and the, and the lodge for the rentals. And we've got, I think we're up to 17 people involved in, in working with that team. And it's fun to see them all pitching in, and after they've done it once, they see things that can be made better, how to make the lodging experience better, how to make our work go easier. And it's so exciting to be a part of that team and see the energy and the spirit that comes with it. I had the pleasure a few weeks ago of sharing in the closing worship of Grief Share, witness the personal and spiritual growth of people We've learned how to handle some terrible losses in their life. And what a gift it's been. I mean, every Sunday, I'm seeing somebody that I haven't seen in over a year. And hear the gratitude they'll express to our choir, our musicians, to the church staff that held this thing together and now is bringing it back in person and feel the gratitude, the experience of just knowing that you now can come and worship and enjoy the presence of hearing the word proclaimed in flesh, to hear the choir blend, something you just can't quite fully capture on the live stream. Sorry, but it, I know it's good. It's the best thing we can do. But how much greater it is to come together and see that.
the emotion you hear in those voices. And I'm blessed by that. You feel that, that Holy Spirit that's present. Just like at Pentecost. That brought people together who spoke different languages, who came from different countries, different ethnic backgrounds, and yet they were all united by that Holy Spirit. I even experienced the providence of the Holy Spirit. And I give God all the credit on this one. I, I was at Riverview Hospital. I walked into an IC room at just the right time because the family had just received some not-so-good news from the doctor. And I was there to help them process it and appreciate that presence. And that was all God. That was all God. So don't waste any time. Worry about who you need to pray to. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it all works. Just, just pray. What is most important is we know that God, the Holy Spirit, is available to each and every one of you to guide you, to lead you, to comfort you, to strengthen you, to empower you. And the best way to know if you're really being led by the Spirit is if you're moving away from self-centeredness, moving towards looking at the world and other people through the eyes of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for that Holy Spirit. It's present and comes to us each as we need it. It came at Pentecost and spoke just as people need to hear it. It brought the church in power in ways that enabled it to carry on and your son could no longer be among us. May we be the same and continue to take that spirit into our world Bring love, bring justice, bring hope and power to those around us. In Christ we be prayed. Amen.